Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. After 15 months away, we return to the New York Stock Exchange for the first time since the pandemic, and we could not be happier. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and Dave, David Faber at the NYSC. Futures are steady. Dow only needs about 21 points for a record close. Lots of news in M&A, Pharma, Apple's Developers Conference, and more. Our roadmap begins with overhauling the global tax system. The G7 backing President Biden's call for a minimum corporate tax. Now the devil's in the details. Plus, the cancer field's largest conference gets underway, and we will be joined by the CEO of Bristol-Myers Squibb a bit later this hour. And Bezos set to blast off. The Amazon founder says he'll fly on the first crewed flight of the rocket made by his other company, Blue Origin. But first things first, guys, this is wonderful. Um, yeah. And we should point out that our team at CNBC has worked very hard uh, to make today possible. Uh, I have to tell you, uh, there are people, I'm going to mention one, Brad Rudin, okay, there. I think some people deserve actual name uh, because the amount of work that people have to do to get things moving here, it is a little archaic, so it's not so easy to get things done. Uh, This is a fabulous set. We missed each, we all missed each other. And even though when we were back in Englewood Cliffs, I was looking at David's back. Um, I well, know. We first, we started 35 feet apart. Right. Remember, there was most just of the time we were. Yeah. But let's just say it feels like old times, and maybe it just kind of there was this interlude, and now maybe things are off the table in terms of a disease that we know can still still hurt right, people. Right. Right. And of but, course, they've got a big uh, case study going here about how people work together in, in an enclosed environment. I also would say maybe it's a good message and, and um, image to put forward for the city. And certainly banks, which are also going to be doing something like this starting today. Yeah, what a great call. I I think that there are a lot of people who actually want to go back because they like interaction and are tired of at least a couple days a week kind of sitting around. I mean, look, I I was home a couple times with my wife. And, you know, by the fourth day, it was, okay. here's how you make the oranges. Here's how you do the eggs. And and by the way, clean up after yourself. And like, I'm kind of, this is just okay here. You know, they did get tired, David. They got tired of us. Yes, I was tired of them, too. So, you know, I was happy. But uh, we've been back in the off, uh, you know, in Englewood Cliffs. But being all together is obviously the key. Uh, and and you, you do hope it's a sign of a return to normalcy for many businesses. It's starting, and it'll be interesting for us even to watch the traffic increase around where we are downtown in New York and start to see people going back to offices. Obviously, this is a huge office market, as is Midtown. Right. Together, they add up to more space pretty much than all the office space combined in the rest of the country. So it's not unimportant. Right, and what it is is back strength. I mean, I don't want to be too uh, I'm like patriotic about it or, 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 or what it stands for. But I think that it's not bravery. It's just business as usual. And that's what we need. Business as usual. Yeah. And we're going to be watching to see how things progress, even from here, uh, given vaccination rates. And right. we're still looking at models that say 70 percent of Americans 
will have at least one shot by September, maybe all 70% of adults by 4th of July. Right. Certainly the uh, White House wants that. Right. Doc Gottlieb, who has become maybe the greatest authority about what's going on, oh, by the way, giving credence to the... Um, Yes, so the lab uh, leak, the lab leak, not not that it was bioengineered as a weapon. But but he is a little sang. I'm going to call him sanguine about the prospects of people of many more people getting vaccinated. Obviously, the slowdown in vaccination and also the pride that some people seem to take in not getting vaccinated. It's a little odd. Yes. Misdirected. By the way, uh, just the idea that there is a working vaccine that has been widely distributed, that's been proven to be safe makes this short bit of sound amazing. This is from, I think, our first show apart last spring where we were still trying to get our heads around what was coming at us. Take a listen. Good Thursday morning. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber all coming to you live from separate locations starting a little bit early as the NYSE is set to switch to all electronic trading on Monday. Is it the emotional odyssey we've all been on? Is that, no, it really is. Is that crazy? It, 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 of course, I think I look, I think I look thinner. <laughs> you, you look good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if people at home recognize the camaraderie and the, the, the faux camaraderie of what we've been doing, where it's kind of like, yep, you know, I'm, I mean, first, one of the things I love about David, he was be able to, like, do this. It, but it was he was so far away. It was like maybe something was wrong with his back oh, or something. Yeah, no, we're going to get right back to that very quickly. <laughs> we, got, we actually got plenty to we actually have news this morning, too, guys, uh, which has not been the case corporate news wise, at least in the last couple of weeks. I mean, we've had obviously at AMC, we've had the move in oil. We've had a number of important things, crypto. But we've even got some M&A this morning with that enormous uh, private deal. But the yeah. Blackstone and Hellman and Friedman. Uh, and Carlisle are doing for Medline, a company that you may not have known, but is an enormous medical supplies company. Man, people are immediately going to uh, say, uh-oh, it's happening, right? Yeah, but it's not. I mean, by the way, that deal, 50% is being financed, which is less than is, is, is far less than is typical in a LBO, I would just point okay. out. Okay. Um, you know, remember back in the day, you talk 80% financing, 20% right. equity check. Here you're talking about an equity check. The family's rolling in. That could be 13, 14 billion from these three firms combined, one of the largest of all time. Uh, so that's sort of more of a reflection of where we are these days. Oh, I feel they, you know. And they got that QTS deal, which we can get to as well, which is a public company, will be a premium. We'll keep an eye on that stock price. But in my world, a little bit of action. Today. More return to normal? Maybe? Yeah. And it's not just private equity. We got U.S. Concrete Vulcan, right? A well, billion dollar deal. I, you know, the, uh, I use, I've been to their headquarters multiple times when Bill Sandbrook ran He changed. He uh, retired in April, tw- uh, April of last year. But talk about wanting to be in the infrastructure situation. I mean, would you really buy a gigant, gigantic cement company if you thought that the infrastructure bill was going to fail? Mm-hmm. I mean, this company is the primary beneficiary. It's all just about really kind of roads and, and they, they make um, giant uh, projects like a Toyota uh, factory but what really matter or headquarters but what really matters here is the faith that Vulcan has remember there are only two companies Martin Marietta materials and Vulcan and they are going to be the winners um, you talk about infrastructure this QTS deal it's data centers wow. they develop them and then they I mean they create them and then they own them and what's interesting about that deal is we take a look as well at that stock. It's $78 a share, all cash, of course, fairly sizable, $10 billion when you include debt. But what's interesting is the Blackstone entities that are buying it are not the private equity part of the business. It's these perpetual 
um, long-term perpetual capital vehicles. It's Blackstone Real Estate Income Trust and Blackstone Infrastructure Partners. They're not buying it to put it in a private equity fund to eventually sell it or take it public. They're buying it to keep it and just to have it be a part of the yield that they're going to be providing for their own investors in these open-ended perpetual vehicles. So, again, sort of interesting on that. They're hyperscale. So if you want to learn what this really means, you have to go to the speech that Jensen Wong gave last week uh, at his annual meeting, which is all about how their chips, their graphical user interface cards work in hyperscale. This is a co-location, but it it means how quickly things go. Uh, It's one of the smaller companies in this area. Uh, But I've got to tell you, when you listen to what uh, NVIDIA has to say, you realize it's all speed and it's all closeness. And it's all this notion of uh, just breathtaking where you you the speed of light these guys are talking about. And uh, so what happens is, is that if you're left behind and you don't have one of these and you're trying to do it yourself, you just may not make it. Uh, We're going to watch all of that. Of course, then there's news over the weekend. The U.S. and other G7 nations have agreed to pursue this minimum corporate global tax. Uh, Yellen putting that deal together with the finance ministers. Long way to go in terms of getting it through the broader G7 and certainly selling it back to Republicans here. She had a number of interesting comments over the weekend. One was that um, inflation or higher interest rates uh, would be a plus for society and the Fed's point of view, which some thought, all right, well, maybe we're in a new era. Well, I. I thought it was great. I mean, we have, we're in a boom. Uh, you don't want the government to just ignore the boom. It's occurring. You want people to uh, get more jobs. I don't even mind wage growth. I know uh, Stephanie Link was talking this morning uh, uh, about really kind of like the, the dangers of wage inflation, and I get that. Uh, but I really feel that maybe people should be making more money and also that it's okay to raise rates a bit. Why should we be so low with business so strong? It's okay to raise rates a bit. Well, I don't want four right. hikes instantly. Well, that we know. He's talking about raising rates anytime. The, 2023, Steve Leesman was talking. 2023. Yeah. Okay. But it's good that, look, I think that they can't ignore what's happening. I mean, the for, the, the, for, the, for higher signs, I mean, everywhere. Um, yeah, the lead in the New York Times yesterday was about the changing dynamic between employers and employees being right. in favor of employers for the first time I, in decades. Getting leverage yeah. over employers right before our eyes is yeah. how Neil Irwin's headline put it. it it's um, tough to keep people because people get taken. They get taken very fast if you have someone good. Well, they do. Yes. Can you say she's been taken? Sorry. No, no. <laughs> no but, but. It was one of your favorites, too. Come but, on. But there's the old days, dude. She's been taken. <laughs> David, those are like 1998. I mean, you know, is it that long ago, that yeah. movie? No. Yeah. No. Well, here's the, here's the issue, the as I know from, the, from my restaurants, okay? There's a belief that because there's the unemployment, uh, the bonus, that, it, that things will get better in October. I'm, I, I used to think that. I think it's part of it. But there's just a lot of people, a lot of people who did get sick, who are out of the workforce, but it just turns out that there are a lot of people who, this is something I never thought, but Paychex told you this, who are opening businesses. They have a lot of money. They want to open businesses. People want to spend a lot. Set their own terms. Set, right. And, and so it's very difficult to say to a cook, look, um, we're going back to the old days. You're not going back to the old days. People aren't accepting that. They're just not accepting it. Well, I saw some data this morning that uh, I think it's, uh, half of U.S. restaurants are operating with 20% less staff 
than usual. Makes sense to you, I If there's a bartender out there, I am telling you, I'm ready. What are you paying? Negotiable. (laughs) (laughs) There are no bartenders. I mean, I I have to tell you, my cousin was a bartender before he joined the Peace Corps, and he didn't make much money. I I could think, I could say right now, because the the guy was was part of a group that won the Nobel Peace Prize. Never would have happened if these if these wages were available now. I think he would have. No, he wouldn't have solved that problem in Khartoum where he was, uh, yeah, Sudan, solved that problem. So there you go. No, he would have been a bartender. So Uh, We're going to talk more about the the global minimum tax and the degree to which it weighs on large cap uh, stocks this morning. When we come back, NYSC President Stacey Cunningham on everything from reopening progress (laughs) to IPOs to the meme stocks. As we said, Dow needs about 21 points for a record close. Looks like we'll get there at the open. More squawk on the street from the New York Stock Exchange. Straight ahead. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. If you're just joining us this morning, it's our first show back here at the New York Stock Exchange and joining us to, I guess, help celebrate and talk about the reopening process and business, of course, is the president of the NYSE, Stacey Cunningham. We could not be more pleased to be here. We could not be more excited to have you back, Carl. It's great to see you and David and Jim and and join the rest of the gang that's been making their way back in. Yes. So we've had our afternoon show here for a couple of weeks. Um, We're starting to look around and see what the lay of the land is. It feels... Kind of like before, I got to say. Yeah. Is, is that how it feels from an operational standpoint? You could. We, we reopened a year ago, and as soon as that first day back, you could feel the energy. Even though it was far fewer people than that had been here, uh, you could just feel it starting to come back. And so it's been building over the course of the year. We pulled back a little bit when the, the rates in New York got, got worse, because that's, that's how we're approaching this, is we're responding to local conditions and we're scaling up. We're in a really good place right now with the vaccination rise uh, rates continuing to increase. 
and the prevalence rate so low. So we're able to start to welcome welcome you back, yes. welcome companies back. They're bringing in bigger crowds all the time. Yes. Um, is there like a plan in a drawer somewhere for when things, if they were to get worse? Yes. For and, and yeah, absolutely. You're, you're ready to reach in there. We're, we're ready to, to scale. And it's all about increasing and decreasing based on local conditions and responding to what we're seeing. So right now, conditions are really good. It's giving us the ability to welcome people back, to remove masks and, and distance when vaccines are, are in place. And so there's a lot a lot we can do, and but we're ready to scale back if we had to. We're just not, we're, we're hoping that we don't need to use that right. plan, but we have one. At this point on the floor, 50% roughly? Roughly, roughly 50%, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's been increasing, and, you, and increasing in the building too, because most of our employees are, are remote. So within the, the office tower, that's been starting to increase as people are more comfortable coming back with their vaccinations. And listed companies are really increasing the numbers when they come in to celebrate their IPO. Just last week, we had the one-year anniversary bell ringing for Jared Isaacman, Isaacman is the CEO of Shift4 Payments. They were the first company to go public in IPO after our reopening on the trading floor. And he said, I'm coming in if I have to wear a hazmat suit. <laughs> so we were on the podium all masked up. So it was great to see him and his team and his, uh, you know, his, his, uh, his group on the podium with no mask last week, really celebrating their one-year anniversary. That's wonderful. Speaking of listed companies and businesses, yes. um, some of these names like AMC uh, that have just seen wicked volatility, I wonder, or do you think we're in a world now where you could see names, I'll be a small bucket of them, trade up 100% in a day like yeah. it's no big deal? Yeah. And if that's the case from here on out, are the volatility tools, the measures you use, sufficient? Yeah, I, I would say it is a big deal when you see movements like that. I, I would hope that all of the investors that are participating in these stocks understand that there are risks in the market and that their own behavior can also impact other investors who are in the market. I get personal emails from people sometimes when they are, are impacted by rapid moves in the market saying, how could this possibly happen? Uh, and, and I've certainly gotten those in response to some of the some of the meme stocks that we've seen. So I would urge people to, to act responsibly. It's an ecosystem. Speculation, though, is not new. And that's, you know, when you think back to the tulip craze in, in Amsterdam in the 1600s, uh, that certainly is not a new thing for there to be speculation. But people have to understand the risk profile. It is real money. It is real dollars. It's not a game. And so I, I do think that we can continue to see some rapid moves in, in stocks, and I would urge people to act responsibly. But you don't think the process or the, uh, the, the halting process, for example, needs to be adjusted? I, I think it's been a very helpful tool as to slow things down. We are constantly looking at the, the protections we have in the market and are there ways for us to continue to improve on them, to improve resiliency. Our job is to protect investor confidence, and I certainly think that, that what we've seen lately is not great for investor confidence, so we're looking at ways to enhance that always. Well, uh, we're going to continue this conversation in person, luckily, from here on out. Yes. Um, thanks again it for all your help uh, in, in helping us return home. Welcome back. It's just starting. we got a lot of fun happening this summer, too. We'll, yeah. You'll see it. Stacey Cunningham, Stacey, thanks. We'll take a break here. Kramer's Mad Dash as we get a look at futures on this Monday. Don't go away. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. All right, time for a uh, mad dash as we count you down to the opening bell. Usually I have timing somewhere. I can't see it. How much time do we got there? Oh, yeah, okay, I can see. I don't know. So we little, got a little time. We're a little close. Yeah, we're close. We're close. We're closed in, too. Yes. Everything's got 
panels closing us well, in now. It's, um, we're our own group here. I want to talk about a stock. Yes, a stock is what you usually great, talk about. For one the of Mad the Dash. great stocks of this year is GM. And Barclays comes out and is talking about how the strong supply chain execution of Mary Barra is getting so that they may not be as hurt by this chip shortage. And I want to bring this up, David, because this is the auto shortage. Again, we keep talking about shortages and costs. We don't talk enough about how much cars are going up in price, how much used cars, how much trucks are going up. And everything is, this is another thing we don't talk about. Prices are sticking. You would think that there'd be a level, David, where people just say, you know what? I've had enough, but there's such small business need. There's pent up demand. There's government, uh, obviously, the stimmies, stim right. check. But a lot of this has also been the response to their plan in terms of becoming all electric by. When Soon it? enough. But I, I did want to I wanted to salute Mary Barra. I mean, you know, in the Ford numbers last Ford she, gave us their Farley what too. are going to be over 40 percent of the volumes. By, I mean, these guys are coming for, you know, they're coming for Bezos. I mean, Farley just said point blank. That I'm gonna, I'm gonna crush Musk. Musk, they're I mean, coming Bezos, from Musk. No, yeah. I think people in there. Bezos is going in into air. space. Yes, Musk staying on. Musk, oh, Musk, by the way, his plaid is, you know, Musk whatever. will eventually go into space as well. They all want to go yes. into space. But, but Mary Barra, who I don't know if wants to go in space, no, is doing a fabulous job. Does not get talked about enough. Why? Not a self promoter. She is fantastic. You still prefer Ford to GM if you had to choose? Uh, I think that they're, yes. Uh, Ford has had such a big run, we actually took a little profit in mm-hmm. for the trust. Uh, GM could be a coiled spring if they get more EV. Uh, this yellow hum- spring from here? This yellow Hummer? Move? This yellow Hummer? Yeah. You know, the one that crab walks? My, my wife, she spoke to Mary directly and says, listen, I got to have one of those. I said, no, that's the CEO of GM. You actually just say hi, good job. But they are doing so many things, these two auto companies that are unheralded. They are doing, I mean, I know Volkswagen is too. And Volkswagen, many people think, is the leader. But Mary Barra is fabulous. And Musk, look out. Look out. All right, well, listen, at least this year it's been uh, reflected in the uh, stock prices. These two have been Deserving. up And Tesla, of course, as we know, has been down, but still has a market cap that is seven, eightfold. What yeah, when are. does that change? Yeah, I don't know. All right, we got an opening bell coming up from the New York Stock Exchange. Straight ahead. Whatever I can do, whatever my companies can do to make it accessible to everyone is, uh, is how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. Like, if, if I were not at Square or Twitter, I'd be working on Bitcoin. Um, if it needed more help than Square and Twitter, I would leave them for Bitcoin. That's Jack Dorsey of Square and Twitter in Miami over the weekend, of course, at Bitcoin Miami, telling an audience, Jim, uh, 15,000 people, Bitcoin changes absolutely everything. Well, look, I, I, I'm a believer in cryptocurrency, and I am in part as a hedge versus what the governments of the world, or our government in particular, is doing, which is just continually printing money. I used to say just as, as a hedge on gold, so I've always been a gold bug, but now I'm a bit of a crypto bug. Now, just as a hedge, okay? I don't swear by it. I just think that when you look at these, even Bitcoin has had a very big move up, but it's not, I think, safe right now in terms of where, I mean, I think it's, it can head down a little bit just because it it feels a little, uh, again, just too much enthusiasm because of Miami. There are, though, a lot of incredibly intelligent people who are far more, certainly than have a deeper understanding, who, who have similar sentiments to Mr. Dorsey's there. Absolutely. Somehow believe this changes, as, uh, you hear it more, it will change everything. El Salvador. 
I, I, look, I find I it. Don't. I find it fine, just because. Like, why shouldn't there be something a revolt against what's happening it, uh, it, with our treasury, our, with our, with what's happening? Just we print money like crazy people. And that's all we do. We all know here that we can't possibly in our lifetime pay these bills. Right. So don't you want something that is worth, you know, limited? Well, it's convertible into dollars still, so. Well, you don't have to. I mean, people down there, everyone's. Become a total crypto. That's, Miami, was total, Miami was total crypto. Yes. No, I mean, it was definitely an enthusiastic crowd, uh, and it continues to make a couple of headlines this morning. Let's get to the uh, opening bell here at the Big Board City and the City Pride Network celebrating Pride Month at the NASDAQ. It is Latch, a software-as-a-service platform celebrating its listing via SPAC. As for Square itself, there's a headline Friday about moving to offer a hardware wallet. And then um, today there's news that Square is investing in their own solar-powered Bitcoin mining facility. I mean, NVIDIA, a lot of the speech, again, I keep saying, go back to what Jensen Wong is to say. And Jensen was saying, look, we do have this special card that is meant just for Ethereum mining. And uh, obviously, the stock moved up huge last week. I wish it were on all the big changes they've made in terms of hyperscale speed. But I think it was actually about the Ethereum card and how everyone wants it. Because of crypto. Because of crypto. Even though they've tried not to make that a key part exactly of Exactly right. So they put out a... N- because it got fairly volatile for them. It was hurting the gamers. Period. Right. But I just think that you get these people who give you uh, the uh, some comfort that this thing's going to be there. And that it's not craziness. But all these things have one thing in common in that Miami uh, conference, too. Whether it be the meme stocks or crypto. They want to go after sellers. You sell, they... They'll track you down. They'll find you. And they will, I don't know, whatever they can do to you and make you look bad on Twitter. I don't know. Meanwhile, what about all the people who talk about ransomware being the main use of the currency to some extent? Right? Yeah, taking down I mean, some. We don't even know how much has really been going on. And by the way, it's, a, it's, a, it's an enormous problem. It's been in the news a great deal. It's going to continue to be. We talk a lot about cyber attacks, but we don't know how many have actually occurred where people have paid ransomware and moved on. We don't know. And we do know that... Uh, uh, there, are, there is talk, uh, Jennifer Granholm, this weekend, talk that they that the government might say, listen, you cannot pay ransom across the board. Kind of like what happened, uh, David, in the 70s, where Jimmy Carter you, you know, basically outlawed paying ransom. So that could be a one way to make it so to the bad guys, listen, you can do what you want. No one's going to pay it. Well, no. uh the president's got a, a summit coming up with Putin in the next week. And uh, Raimondo of Commerce was asked over the weekend if we're considering any kind of military response. And she refused to say that we're ruling anything out. Oh, man. On some of these uh, cyber criminals. Um, Jim, uh, this uh, FDA Biogen Alzheimer's ruling that we are looking to get. Uh, some are saying it could set the tone for Alzheimer's research in the future. It's the sixth leading cause of death in the country. Are, are, are you... Is this a big deal? Yes. And I was going back and forth with our own Meg Terrell. Um, I don't, need, don't really need to say our own. She's just unbelievably good. But she was saying it's just a huge day. I mean, obviously, we have Bristol. Uh, there are people who feel like that you can't say no to Biogen because we don't have anything. So it's like something's better than nothing. Half a loaf. Right. Could be a half a loaf situation. 
or it could just be uh, snake oil. But this is where this is this is the drug where we thought it was going to get recommended for approval and then it didn't. Right. Well, well, because there's a lot of belief that, you know, frankly, there's no real science. There's just people who are demanding it. And I know that Eli Lilly, which my travel trust owns, was one more of these situations where it looked like they had something. David Ricks came on mad money, basically said they had something. And then when they, uh, you know, a few weeks later, they said they, maybe not. They do have something that reduces plaque, but. Right, but it's not clear that the plaque is necessarily what is causing it. It may be an effect of whatever actually is causing the disease. And and because I'm on this American Migraine Foundation helping the headache society in America and helping the brain. Yes. I'm going to do all this brain stuff. Yes. Uh, There's a big believer that if you're going to do these things, you got to start them like 30 years 30 years ago, you can't just start now because it's already in process. So uh, that's something. How do you do a 30-year test on a drug? Well, you got to start. It takes a long time. Right? And I think that's one of the, you know, according to all the brain experts that I deal with, and i got some real smart guys, you know, the brain surgeons, David. <laughs> I know. But, um, I mean, we shouldn't forget, if there what? is an effective treatment made for Alzheimer's, whether or not it actually even just retards the progression of the disease, it will quickly become the largest single-selling drug in the world. Exactly. Done. Bar none. Exactly. So, so it's worth it to keep looking. Um, well, David, had that's absolutely right. That's yeah. what the brain guys are telling me, which is that they're just every what they're hoping. I mean, the brain guys are saying, you know what? Maybe everybody one day does take it. We all take it. Now, with Lipitor or any of the anti-cholesterol, it goes off patent and, and then nobody makes any money. But holy cow, for those first years, what would you pay? Well, you'd pay anything. Yeah. You'd pay anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. So many people who are dealing with loved ones who are suffering from dementia, those things. You pay anything. Anything. We had a conversation with uh, Stacey Cunningham a moment ago about these meme names. AMC's up 14%. Not 100, but um, you were really on top of this while you were out last week. Well, well yeah. I, look, I, I know Adam Aaron for a long time. He's the CEO of AMC. He did a couple fundraisers. He did that uh, fundraise, David, with the hedge fund, Mudrick. Uh, and they flipped that. Good right for away. both parties. Yeah. Mudrick, he, as I said, it was Mudrick is a re, is a distress fund. Has had a very strong track record. That's what they are. They don't play in the equity. They bought the equity. They sold the equity. It improved their debt position. They're now out entirely, by the way, on both the debt and the equity. Um, and they, you know, they just had very strong returns. By the way, when you own the debt to some extent to hedge, you know what you're going to do? You're going to short the stock. So right. their gains may not have been quite as large as everybody uh, would imagine. But that's what you do. But they're out entirely. They're not a part of this. No, but $10 billion in debt, pretty much $10 billion in debt. Yeah, although it's, I think it's $4 billion It's debt, $4 billion, right? and then yeah. there's a leasing issue. Right. Now, you're absolutely right. There's $4 billion straight, but which he can pay off a lot if he wanted to. But what I think Adam Aaron has done is start talking about being aggressive. And look, the, what movie theater chain might not be for sale? I mean, he could own everything. He could be king. He could, just, he could call Disney and say, hey, you know what? Mm. You want to be in a theater? Here's the deal. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. And Disney yeah. goes, oh, yeah. I'm shaken. Yeah. 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 No. Okay. Um, um, I don't think so. We have this thing called Disney Plus. Sorry. Well, okay. But I was thinking more about like a, or a horse head in a bed. <laughs> or maybe we'll just buy you. We'll give you a price you can't refuse. I, look, I think Adam Aaron's done a magnificent job. But more importantly, I think the meme people, they are looking at this as one, if you sell it, Again, I, they don't want sellers. But what I think they're thinking is the old days. The old days of, you know what? The stock market's there to raise money. They yeah. felt this way with the Hertz, too, by the way. 
And uh, and Lordy, Adam Aaron needs money. So let's give him money. It's amazing. He's going to save the company. The company was bankrupt. Yeah, I know. Adam saving Aaron the saved the it. The difference between saving the company, Jim, and having a company that's got a market value of over $25 billion, $27 billion are two different things. Well, do you One think GameStop? doesn't in any way, shape, or form reflect what? its future in any world that we live in right now do you or think could imagine the, living in. Did Tesla? Did Tesla? Touche. I'm not, yeah. I'm I not can sure. give you a lot of different yeah. roads you can go down with Tesla where you could make an argument at least about incredible growth to come. I can't do that with AMC. I can. AMC could go really? buy a hotel chain. Remember, he ran Starwood. AMC could be, be get into the business of, of shopping centers. It, it, it could become anything that's hospitality oriented. This man knows hospitality. So that was my question. Uh, raising money to do what? And you see it being, a, whatever it is, it would be a new model. Adam Aaron. He doesn't have enough money to do any of those things, and nobody's going to take his stock. How do you know? I do know. Why? What, did you because talk I've to been, everybody? No, because, I, because I've been living on this planet for the last... <laughs> David, I don't... I don't David, <laughs> according to Bezos, that's no longer meaningful. <laughs> He's going to another planet <laughs> to do a deal. You can see the two uh, of them, Musk and Bezos, both taking off Interstellar commerce. Adam has been achieved. He sold a little too much at nine. Yeah. But the, it, it, I know that if I say anything negative about AMC, um, my Twitter feed will be, you know, the usual harassment. But what's more important is I told people to walk away. I told the sellers to walk away. Just give it a break. Now, David, you're talking about the hedge against the bonds. I yeah, mean, yeah. Well, you short the stock to hedge the bond position. That's what Mudrick might And Guys, I want to get to a story on Friday what? real quickly. This uh, Bill Ackman creating a new vehicle, creating a new thing. Is this our first favorite report first down here? Report back from here. PSTH is the name. Take a look uh, because it did come down. This was the biggest back of all time, remember, uh, by Ackman. But it's not doing a SPAC deal. In fact, it's no longer even going to be a SPAC. We were working through this on Friday morning, tried to understand what was a very complex story that had just been presented to us. Uh, and, you know, at this point, I can give you a lot more, Jim, and I'd love to get your thoughts as well. But really what you're getting now are three separate deals. One, they're going to buy 10 percent of Universal Music. And we can all go through the fundamentals on Universal Music and talk about its dominance or where it is in terms of percentage wise. What is it? Forty one percent share in the U.S., 31 percent worldwide. The public comp is Warner Music. They'll make an argument that, you know, at the level he's buying it at uh, 42 billion overall value for the company. Um, He's buying it at a lesser multiple to EBITDA than Warner currently trades at. Maybe. We'll see. But that's part of it. Then you get a SPAC that's still left that has a billion and a half left, but it's not a SPAC anymore. It's just a remain co with a bunch of cash. He's going to go out and potentially do a deal with that. Ooh. And then you also get this special purpose acquisition right, which gives you the right to be in a, the next deal, which would be called a SPARK. No time limit, no redemption rights for anybody, but also you don't have to put money up until when he decides and or brings a deal to you. That's kind of the new vision he's got here. That could have as much as $10.6 billion, so it could pursue a very large transaction if it wanted to, all of which adds up to sort of a very interesting combination of things that Mr. Ackman has put on the table here. The question will be how do Pershing share a square tontine holders react to it? You know, do they just sell? Do they want to get out? Or do they actually believe that this thing's going to be worth a lot more because of the option value in that spar, right? It's a five-year call at 20, basically, is what you're getting there. His ability to go after another deal with Remain Co., no time limit, but says he wants to move fast is what we hear. 
and then well, you think the UMG deal is being bought at below what will, what it will actually trade at when it lists in Amsterdam well, later this year. If you're an Ackman aficionado, you buy it. And if you're someone who's looking at the actual economics and a non-aficionado, you sell it. There are many people who want to be investing with Ackman, which is why this whole thing happened. And look, I'm, if you love Ackman, you love this. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very interesting creation, Carl. Yeah. And, but you see it as a natural evolution of, of the SPAC model? In this some sort of way, rolling. You think, yeah, you start to wonder. And then he can give us, and then if you do this deal, you, you get actually another spar, right? He, you can keep perpetual, it's perpetual spars. Hey, you get this right for my next deal if you want, where you can buy in at 20. But maybe it'll trade above that because people believe I'm going to do the next deal really well. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to watch it. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll keep an eye on yeah. it. Maybe nothing matters. AMC matters. That's all that matters. Adam Aaron. Uh, The Dow is up 57. Uh, Bob Pisani here at the NYSC. Morning, BP. You know, it's starting to feel a little bit more like normal with the three of you guys back. Subways are a little more crowded. Highways a little more crowded. It's good to see you back. I'm very happy about that, folks. Flattish open, let's call it that. That's what it is. We're right near a new high. 42.32, that was the old high. That was way back on May 7th. Sideways since then, but we're at the top end of the range. Everything is moving. Europe just closed at a new high. It was right near a new high today with the stock 600. That's what you want to watch. So two or three points away from a, a new high. Let's call it close enough. And the reason we've been doing so well is not just rotation. Essentially, everything has been up. Look at the sectors. We have new highs at the close on Friday. We had new highs in energy. Uh, oil was at a two-and-a-half-year high. Financials are at a new high. Uh, bank stocks were at a new high. Uh, healthcare lagging a little bit. Tech stocks, 2% uh, from a historic high there. So we got cyclicals moving up. We have uh, defensive names uh, like consumer staples hitting new highs as well. The whole market has been essentially rallying. The big story is essentially are we at over this Goldilocks scenario that we've been talking about. And so far, it's been holding up perfectly well for everybody. Pandemic is receding at this point. Uh, Tax concerns are notably lower here. Biden's essentially taken the corporate tax uh, issue off the table. Bond yields have been notably lower here and not been moving in part because the prospect of enormous new spending is receding a little bit here. And inflation seems to be peaking in some way here. The big story is the earnings situation. If you're wondering why are we still at new highs, the numbers keep going up and they're going up dramatically. So for the second quarter, look at this. 54% on the beginning of April, we were going to be up. Year over year, that's enormous. Today it's 62 percent. They keep knocking the numbers up. Even Q3 has gone from 19 to 24 percent, and it's going to go higher. I know people who now have 70 percent increases for the second quarter, 75 percent. When you get those kinds of numbers overall, that pushes the market up, pushes the expectations up. You think at this point the analysts would finally get this right, Carl? That they finally stop underestimating, but they're still doing it, and the numbers keep rising. And as the primary mover for the market. Carl, it's so good to see you oh, back here. I know. We've been dreaming about this, Bob. Uh, talk to you in a bit, Bob Cassani. Okay. Still to come, the ASCO meeting and pharma's battle against cancer. Stay tuned for an exclusive with the CEO of Bristol-Myers. First, though, the bond report. Take a look at how treasuries are faring this morning. We've got the 10-year right around 157 uh, ahead of the consumer inflation data, and we will get CPI on Friday. We're back in a moment. ASCO is holding its annual meeting virtually this year. We want to turn to our Meg Terrell, who has a very special guest in a CNBC exclusive. Hey, Meg. 
Hey, Carl, uh, that special guest is Dr. Giovanni Caforio, the CEO of Bristol-Myers. Giovanni, it's good to see you this morning. You know, we are meeting virtually around the ASCO Cancer Research Conference. This is the biggest event in cancer research of the year. Uh, tell us, when you look into your pipeline, what is the most promising research going on there, do you think, for new advancements in cancer? Thank you, Meg, and uh, thanks for having me. It's a really important ASCO for us. When I step back and look at my last 10 years at ASCO, it's incredible the progress we, we are making. So for us this year, it's multiple really exciting opportunities. The first one is relatlimab, which is our third checkpoint inhibitor after Yervoy and Obdivo. We are presenting data on the combination of relatlimab and Obdivo in metastatic melanoma. There is yet another opportunity to transform the treatment of that important disease. We're also presenting data on iberdomide, our uh, new cell mod. It's the first cell mod and it's uh, um, um, potential medicine that could again transform the treatment of uh, multiple myeloma, new technology called protein homeostasis. Very, very exciting. We are uh, continuing to invest in cellular therapy, presenting the longest two-year follow-up data for a BECMA which is our BCMA CAR-T therapy for multiple myeloma, and a lot happening with Obdivo, of course. Long-term data in both lung cancer and, and uh, melanoma, but also new cancers like gastric cancer. So really exciting data for us. Well, I want to pick up right there on Updevo. Uh, we're showing this chart here of Updevo's sales, which peaked at $7.2 billion in 2019, although we did see a decline last year, uh, down to $7 billion. What are you seeing in that immunotherapy market with Updevo and all of the competition uh, in the space? More uh, entrants coming in. Do you see uh, prices potentially dropping with that increased competition? Well, first of all, I'm really excited because Obdivo is returning to growth this year. I'm very confident that with new indications uh, and the opportunity to launch Obdivo in combination with the airvoid hormonal therapy across multiple types of tumors, we are at the beginning of a new phase of growth for Obdivo. And our strategy remains the same. We are continuing to invest to uh, generate diver differentiated clinical data that has really made a big difference for Obdivo. When I think about competition, physicians and payers around the world are continuing to reimburse medicines and prescribe medicines based on the data they have. And that's uh, really important for us because we have one of the broadest data sets in the industry with Obdivo and we're continuing to invest to generate new meaningful data. So I feel really good about us continuing to grow Obdivo. Always great to talk to you. We're back at uh, post nine and uh, it's a pleasure one day. I hope to see you in person again. I know it can happen. I hope so. Too. I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you, uh, you reaffirm your first, uh, your full year outlook, reaffirm your full year outlook uh, on the last quarter, despite missing on both the top and bottom lines. Now, your explanation uh, to why the numbers missed was due to difficult comps, and a lot of that was because they were up against uh, issues involving stocking up on medications last year. Are you now seeing a return to normalcy, given the fact that there's no more need to, uh, you're not going up against the stock up uh, quarters, that really were tough to beat. Because I think that that miss of top and bottom line did smart to a lot of shareholders of Bristol-Myers. No, thank you, Jim. I think it's an important question. So from my perspective, what was important in the first quarter, we grew sales and earnings per shares. Uh, and as you said, we confirmed our guidance for the year 
because we feel good about the momentum we see in the business of Divo returning to growth, strong performance with Eliquis. And while the launches are early, uh, I like what I see. Uh, it's early days. Now, remember in the first quarter, we saw a significant impact in the markets, particularly on, on oncology from COVID-related issues. And as you mentioned, we are now beginning that to see that in the second quarter, some of those trends are stabilizing and it's very much our expectation that the second half of the year should normalize. So given the strength of the business and what I'm seeing, I'm confident, uh, confident with the guidance we provided for the year. Uh, Dr. Caforio, it's David Faber. I'd love to follow up on what you uh, told Meg initially here, specific to uh, your anti-lag-3 antibody, the data for which you're providing, I believe, I guess today or very soon, at being the third checkpoint inhibitor to improve cancer outcomes in phase three. But it's the first one to do so in years, and obviously frontline melanoma, it's a deadly cancer. Uh, we all know, unfortunately, people who are suffering from it. Am I missing something? Is the market missing something here? What is the data going to say? Because this would seem to be a pretty important moment for, obviously, the LAG3 inhibitor with Opdivo. Well, David, I, I fully agree with you. It is an important moment. Just think about what uh, has happened in melanoma. In the last 10 years, we've moved from a 5% of patients surviving one year to over 60% of patients surviving one year after diagnosis. And Obdivo in combination with the Airvoy is the standard of care. However, that remains a significant unmet medical need. Many patients are still receiving monotherapy and the data we presented clearly shows that when you add relatlimab, there is a significant for uh, uh, significant improvement in progression-free survival, which is one measure of efficacy. So this is really exciting for many, many more patients. And also, of course, we're taking this new uh, agent into other cancers, beginning with the adjuvant setting in melanoma and potentially other tumors. So it's the third checkpoint inhibitor, the third one from Bristol Myers-Squibb. Uh, I, I do agree with you that for a few years, Many of these programs have not succeeded. We're really excited. It's the beginning of uh, another chapter of our immune oncology story, and we'll continue to present the data as it emerges. All right. A lot more to watch. Giovanni, we appreciate you being with us this morning. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Meg. Meg, thank you. Jim, mad tonight? Yep. Heading over uh, to uh, headquarters. with Cliffs. I've got a trade web, and then I've got T-Mobile. Uh, well, probably ATT might come up. You never know. Oh, God, it's been a while. They're happy you haven't mentioned it. Well, when you take vacation, they get a big break. Yeah. But you don't kick it named to the wall of shame twice. I mean, it's like you're not entered the wall of, wall of fame twice. Jim, we'll see you at 6. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> He's real. He's real. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break here. Dow's gone red. Back in a minute. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.